Get ready for unique, rare, and little-known treasures from the golden age of radio. You're listening to The Amazing World of Radio with Adam Graham. Welcome to The Amazing World of Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. On July 8th, Larry Storch passed away at the age of 99. Of course, he was best known for playing the role of Corporal Agarn in F Troop. Yet, he also had several radio appearances when he was a younger man. And we're going to feature probably his biggest appearance, which was on one of radio's most beloved programs in the 1940s, Duffy's Tavern. The original air date on this one is January the 11th of 1946, and the title is Filming the Life of Archie with Larry Storch. So we take you now to Duffy's Tavern, starring Archie himself, Ed Gardner. Hello, Duffy's Tavern. Where do you leave me to eat, Archie? The mind you speaking. Duffy ain't here. Oh, look, Duffy. I'm glad you called. Look, how would you like to see Mrs. Duffy in a name coat? With a sable girdle and mink garters. It'd be a good excuse to set a trap. Oh. <clears throat> well, what I'm talking about is I want to make you rich, Duffy. I want you to take a flyer with me into the seminar industry. Huh? Well, Duffy, there's big dough in it. A guy like you could have a mansion in Beverly Hills, big cars, a personal valet so you don't have to soak your own feet. <laughs> huh? A swimming pool? You could have two of them, Duffy. You could keep water in one and Mrs. Duffy in the other. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, this movie deal would be terrific for you. You see, I put up my brain, and you match it with your money. You wouldn't have to take much money. <laughs> huh? You'll think it over? Okay, Duffy, that's good enough for me. Hey, Eddie, guess what? I just talked Duffy into putting up the dough for me next picture. Oh, that's wonderful. What's the idea to whisper? I didn't want to wake you up. <laughs> you were having such a beautiful dream. Duffy put up the money. Well, why not? I'm putting up my talent, ain't I? Eddie, you admit I got talent, don't you? <laughs> Eddie, do you admit it or don't you? You want that person answered man to man or on a labor management basis? <laughs> Is, is, is this the same crummy picture that you was trying to sell to Alan Ladd last week? Well, yeah, but I had to change it. I didn't figure Alan Ladd was big enough to support me. Mm. Well, who is? <laughs> That's just it. There ain't nobody. So I have uh, wrote this new story just about myself. It's the story of my life, you know. Yeah, sounds very interesting. Will you excuse me while I go put out the garbage? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind about the garbage. Ain't you... Ain't you interested in hearing me life story? Well, okay. Six to one, half a dozen the other. All right. <laughs> I'll listen. 
Well, since you insist, here it is. It's a Horatio Alger story. It tells how Archie, the ragged street urchin, went from poverty and rags to become the Archie that he is today. Not much action, is there? <laughs> you ain't heard it yet. You see, it starts out with me environment. Scene one shows me as a baby in me nursery, you know, where I'm laying in me little castanette. Uh, <laughs> so me father, a gay, dashing hot carrier, uh, is, uh, <laughs> is bending over me. So I look up at him and realizing all he has done for me, I start to cry. So he decides to walk the floor with me. So he picks me up, lays me tenderly in his hod, and, uh, <laughs> and he waltzes me around the room. Yeah. That sounds like a great part for Fred Astaire. <laughs> Astaire could never play it. My father was strictly a flatfoot waltzer. <clears throat> well, anyway, suddenly my mother comes home after a hard day at Roseland. See? <laughs> <laughs> Her feet are black and blue. Uh, you know, we're doing a picture in Technicolor. So, <laughs> so Mater says to the old man, she says, Fred, I got sad news. I lost me job today. I refused to do the shimmy. So, <laughs> so the old gent says, don't worry, Millie. We don't need that lousy 10 cents a dance. We have other treasures. And with a tear in his eye, he points to me laying up there in a the hod. And he says, we have riches. We have our rhinestone. Ain't that a sad opening, Eddie? Miserable. <laughs> I thought you'd like it. Well, in the next scene, I go from there to the tender years of me obsolescence. <laughs> when I began to search, I began to grope for the mystery of life. The in-between age, you know, when I was too tall for keyholes and too short for transoms. <laughs> the age of confusion, when I was grasping, when, when I didn't know where to go. Uh, is it too late for suggestions? <laughs> <laughs> to continue, I didn't know which way to go, but suddenly it comes to me. I hear the call of Thespia. Actor's blood pounds at me pulse. Me nostrils get filled by the smell of the grease ball. <laughs> I have been called. Yeah, put on your shoes, Mother. This is where we came in. Eddie, please, once in a while, couldn't you keep that dopey mouth shut? Kid, how's every little thing? I don't bother them, they don't bother me. <laughs> Mexican standoff, huh? Yeah. Al Plof, and again, I'm uh, busy telling Eddie here about this movie I'm writing. Oh, well, maybe I could give you the benefit of my experience. What are you talking? You don't know nothing about the movies. Oh, no. I see every picture that's worth sneaking into. <laughs> Sneaking into the movies. Don't you know that crime don't pay? So what? Neither do I. <laughs> well, how 
do you manage to sneak in anyway? Oh, I got me method, Josh. <laughs> I, I just got a new one, a beauty. What? Well, uh, 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 I saunter uh, I up to the door, man, very nonchalantly, of course, and I kick him in the shin. And uh, then what? Well, if luck is with me, he punches me in the nose and knocks me flat. But how does that get you inside? God, a high class C8 ain't gonna leave something like me laying around in the lobby. Now you get a punch in the nose, no wonder your face looks like a double feature. <laughs> Have you got any other great methods like that? Oh, hundreds of them, Mark. Listen to this one. I go up to the box office and I buy a ticket. I, I take it into the doorman, and while he's tearing the ticket in half, I run inside and sit down. But that way, you you paid to get in. Well, Arch, after all, no method is perfect. Well, leave us assume that you don't know what you're talking about. What are some of these tricks that you want to tip me off to? Uh, well, for instance, if you need a guy to fall off a cliff, you don't have to have a real guy. You don't, huh? No. You use your dummy. Sorry, Finnegan. No casting today. <laughs> oh, not casting. That reminds me. That's another thing, Art. You got to watch out who you hire. And take a tip. Stay away from that Raymond Land. Why? What's the matter with him? Did you see the Lord's weekend? No. Well, I don't know how they let him get away with it, but he went through the whole picture cockeyed drunk. Please remind me next uh, Christmas to get you a pencil sharpener with a nice snap brim. <laughs> hello? Oh, hello, Duffy. Have you thought over the proposition? Huh? You what? You uh, <clears throat> just read in the paper where my last picture was one of the ten worst pictures of the year? <laughs> yes, but Duffy, did you happen to notice that it was first on the list? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, and this new one will make a fortune. Huh? Well, okay, don't do me no favors. There's plenty of other people that'll put up the dough. But just remember, someday, when you walk along the street and you hear people say, there goes the biggest jerk in town, then maybe you'll think of me. <laughs> uh, toss it around, kid. What is it? You don't know how to handle Papa. What do you mean? Well, you gotta use psychology with him. Now, when I want to get money out of him, I sit on his lap, put my arm around his neck, and then I kiss him and say, my darling Papa is looking tired tonight. And then he goes to bed, and as soon as he's asleep, I take the money out of his pants. Duffy, I need money, but not bad enough to start necking with your old man. <laughs> well, uh, maybe I could do something with him. On what basis? Faces that if I get him to put up the money that I get a part in the picture? I take it back. I'll neck with your old man. <laughs> now, just a second, Archie. I'm not that hard to look at. You should be standing over here. <laughs> Archie, in the Third Avenue Civilian Defense Beauty Contest they put on last year, who was elected queen? That's right, you were. Miss Waste Fats of 1945. <laughs> uh, now, look, don't... 
Don't do me no favors. I'll get the money someplace. some particular sucker in mind or is just going to be the straight house-to-house candle? <laughs> if you don't mind, I'll just take the phone book sans without no remarks. Okay. There you are. Let's see here. Q-R-S-C-U. Here it is. Uncle Sam's talk shop. <laughs> Hello? Uncle Sam? This is Archie. Archie. Remember the wristwatch with the imitation alligator strap? Yeah. Yeah, well, Uncle, I got a big deal on, and I'm a little short of... Huh? Oh, your money's all tied up in cash, huh? <laughs> well, better luck next time. Uh, so long, Uncle. Oh, uh, just a second while I got you. Uh, don't forget to brush me blue side suit. <laughs> I wonder if my bank would be willing to arrange a loan. Uh, Which one of your banks, the First National ticket? No. No, I've got a Chase National, where I happen to be very well known. Let's see. Hello, Chase National. Uh, <clears throat> manager, please. Uh, how do you do, sir? This is Archie speaking. Archie, uh, the tall, distinguished chap that comes into Phyllis Fountain Pen. <laughs> That's right. Look, uh, my corporation would like to liquidate a short-term fiduciary, and, uh... 
I was wondering if we gave you adequate security. Uh, hello? <laughs> Eddie, take their calendar down from over the bar. <laughs> That's the last time I ever walk into that bank. Give me that, Schaefer. Back we go to the post office. <laughs> what am I gonna do? Pardon me, are you the manager here? Yeah, why? Well, my name is Larry Storch. I'm an impersonator, and I'm looking for a job. Oh, yeah? Well, everybody's entitled to a chance. Kid, to uh, impersonate me somebody. Okay. Ah, uh, Eddie, how beautiful you are. I would give anything to be with you. Come with me to the cars bar. Oh, yeah. I could, I could close my eyes and swear it was W.C. Fields himself. <laughs> Europa, you give me an idea, kid. If Duffy heard I had a bunch of big movie stars to play in this picture... Uh, I, I just thought of a new way to sneak in. Now, please, <laughs> not now, Finnegan. Oh, by the way, Mr. Storch, this is Mr. Finnegan. Oh, dear. very happy to meet you. No, thanks. Right, <laughs> <laughs> this guy talks like a moron. <laughs> Well, you understood him, didn't you? <laughs> Go ahead, Larry. Uh, do another one here, Finnegan. Uh, stand up here. It'll be <clears throat> it'll be the first time you ever did an imitation for an imitation. <clears throat> Go ahead. Okay. Oh, <laughs> are you serious, Jockey? <laughs> really, my boy? I should like to say this town is in a terrible turmoil. Yes, I just came from a department store. I walked up to the young lady behind the counter and said, Do you have any notions? She said, Well, yes, I do, but I suppress them till 5.30. <laughs> Frank Morgan, that's terrific, kid. Who else can you do? Oh, Ronald Coleman, Humphrey Bogart, Clark Gable, Barry Fitzgerald. Give me that oh. phone. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hello, Duffy. Duffy, a uh, new development has just arose. Yeah. Well, a whole bunch of big Hollywood movie stars just dropped in, and they all want to be in me picture. Oh, Ronald Coleman, Humphrey Bogart, Clark Gable, Barry Fitzgerald. All right. You don't believe it? I'll put one of them on the phone for you. Uh, Barry Fitzgerald, the lunch man of yours. the top of the evening to you, Mr. Duffy. What's that? Well, 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 of course, this is Barry Fitzgerald. Whom are you expecting, Mrs. Nussbaum? <laughs> Give me that phone, kid. Huh? Well, are you sold, Duffy? You think it's a trick? Okay, I'll convince you. I'll put on a scene with the whole parade of stars right now. <laughs> Thank you. 
next trumpet, please. Thank you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we now present the pre-preview of that great forthcoming cinema picture, The Life of Archie. This stupendous drama features none other than Humphrey Bogart, Peter Lorre, Ronald Coleman, and Clark Gable. What, Duffy? No, no dames. <laughs> you don't realize that in Hollywood, dames are on their way out. <laughs> now, the first scene we present tonight takes place in Hollywood, the first day after I arrived here. The uh, scene in my hotel bedroom where I'm laying in bed asleep, dreaming, dreaming of the experiences that are soon to be mine. Have a, have a. Have a, have a. Come in, Lana. Uh, pardon me, sir. Oh. <laughs> Who are you? My name is Meadows, sir. The studio sent me over to see if there's anything you want. Well, I was just dreaming about... I guess that can wait, though. Uh, well, uh, glad you got here, Meadows. Uh, here, shine my shoes. Yes. Huh? Uh, shall I put some fresh paper in the soles, sir? <laughs> I think you'd better not, Meadows. I'd rather not be accused of going Hollywood. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, before you shine them shoes, uh, would you mind to hand me me uh, embroidered shorts? <laughs> you mean the ones with the big A on one side and Yoo-Hoo on the other? <laughs> Yes, that's right. Uh, what shirt will you wear, sir? What shirt? Uh, oh, I'll just keep this one on. I've only had four hours sleep. <laughs> As you wish, sir. Uh, shall I get you a pair of fresh socks? Uh, no, thank you. I'll uh, just alternate the ones that I got on. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Hollywood, eh, Meadows? The city of dreams. Baghdad on a Pacific. Millions of Meccas. <clears throat> but will it spell happiness? If I may say so, sir, with your looks, you can't miss. Oh, don't be too sure. My looks, my looks are apt to be my curse. I see what you mean, sir. <laughs> yeah, them other stars are sure to knife me. That's probably one of them now. Who's there? Open the door. I want to talk to you. This is Humphrey Bogart. Let him in, Meadows. <laughs> now, look, kid. Let me give you a little bit of advice. Us actors out here had a pretty soft touch before you blew into town, and that's the way we're going to keep it, see? And if you're smart, we'll hop on the rattler and beat it right out of here. <whistles> okay, baby. I'll be right with you. <laughs> Guy. I'd just like to get in a picture with him sometime when he's an Indian and I'm a cowboy. <laughs> I guess that's another one. Come in. Well, Ronald Coleman, pip pip, old man. <laughs> you just dropped in in time for tea and tiffins, uh... <laughs> Sit down. 
No, 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 thank you. And if you don't mind, I'll come to the point immediately. <laughs> I'm warning you, old boy, Hollywood can never become your Shangri-La. Oh, yeah? Says who, sir? Says I, sir. Now you seem to be rather a decent sort, in a crummy way. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a bit of advice. If you will leave here immediately, it will be a far, far better thing you do than you have ever done. I bid you good day, sir. What a Barclay Square. <laughs> they sent six million dollars over to England, and him they leave here. <laughs> oh, another one. Who is it this time? Mrs. Clark Gable's son. Oh, big ears. <laughs> Open the door and come in sideways. <laughs> yeah, now look, son. I want to tell you something. I don't want anybody cutting in on my territory, see? So blow. You stay on your side of the Mississippi and I'll stay on mine. Now, take my advice, pal, and everything will be Roger. Just a second, Gable. You can't wilk on me just because you happen to be an ex-tail gunner. <laughs> Now, what else is on your mind? Nothing. But don't say I didn't warn you. Hmm. Well, that's the great Clark Gable. What's he got that I ain't got, Meadows? Miss Archer, do you mind at this point if I throw away the script and add a lip? <laughs> if you please, just read what is wrote in the script. <laughs> okay. I think you are much handsomer than Clark Gable. Mother, forgive me. Back to the Meadows character. <laughs> Come in. Hello, Archie, my boy. Well, Peter Laurie, don't tell me you're worried about me, too. <laughs> but of course, Archie. Do you know something? I've never been worried about my career before today. But when you walked off that train, I took one look at you, and for the first time in my life, I was frightened. <laughs> so please, leave Hollywood quietly. Don't make violence necessary. <laughs> Call me up and tell me your decision, will you? Okay, what hotel are you staying at? The Hollywood Plasma. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Duffy, now that you heard all them big stars, what do you say? Uh, do you want to precipitate in the picture? Huh? <laughs> you do, eh? <laughs> well, uh, to what extent? You'll rent me your brownie. <laughs> but Duffy, but Duffy, with all them big stars, huh? as long as I get all them big stars, I should get the money from them, huh? Okay. <clears throat> Hey, Sarge. Yes? How much dough you got? Any at all? I got 50 cents. 50 cents? 50 cents? What a nerve you got impersonating a lot of big movie stars with a lousy half a buck in your pocket. 
Meadows, ejaculate this bum. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to leave Duffy's Tavern for this evening. Evelina, won't you ever take a shine of that moon? Evelina, ain't you bothered by the bobolinks too? Tell me, tell me how long you're gonna keep delaying the day. Don't you reckon it's wrong, trifling with April this way? Evelina, won't you pay a little mind to me soon? Wake up, wake up, the earth is fair, the fruit is fine. But what's the use of smelling watermelon? Clinging to another fella's vine Have a line, oh, won't you roll off that vine and be mine This is the Armed Forces Radio Service. The earth is fair, the fruit is fine. But what do you smell in watermelon? Bring it to another fella's mind. Carolina, nothing finer. On the vine in Carolina. Carolina, roll off that vine and be mine. Welcome back. I guess in regards to that last line, I will just say that language and usage do change over time. And on that, I'll just quote Stan Lee and say, enough said. Duffy's Tavern was a really influential uh, program in the 1940s. It was one of those series that really felt, or always felt to me like it was a variety program dressed up as a sitcom. You know, the plots were paper thin, but the strength of the series were the recurring cast and Ed Gardner's ability to play off the big guest stars they brought in every week. The series uh, did have uh, 
some serious uh, pop culture influence that appears to extend even down to The Simpsons, where uh, Mo the bartender's phone greeting, Mo's tavern where the elite meet to drink, seems to be a bit of a nod to Duffy's. Of course, there was also a Duffy's Tavern movie and a short-lived TV show, but it didn't really meet the level of the radio program in popularity or in quality. Uh, there was also versions of Duffy's Tavern done in Puerto Rico and the United Kingdom. And across the United States, you did have a fair number of bars, just like with uh, Casey Crime Photographer leading to many places being named the Blue Note, there were quite a few Duffy's Taverns that sprung up as a result of the radio program. Larry Storch's uh, role in this radio program is pretty similar to every other Larry Storch radio appearance that I heard, which is he was brought on as an impressionist, uh, often on uh, AFRS uh, programs to entertain the troops. Of course, he was a comedian, worked on Broadway, and getting a guest spot on uh, Duffy's Tavern, or as they mentioned, Alan Ladd had appeared the previous week, is certainly a huge feather uh, in the cap of a relatively young performer. Storch was only in his uh, 20s when he recorded this episode. Of course, you know, unless you're like Rich Little or something, most people are not going to have a huge career as an impressionist. But he definitely had a lot more going for him as a comedian and as an actor, which, you know, allowed him to have a very good career. Of course, uh, the doing different voices and characters thing uh, would serve him well on F Troop, where, you know, as best I can tell, he played in those two seasons three different distant relatives, in addition to other occasions that called for him to wear a disguise. I saw someone post on Twitter that uh, only boomers would appreciate or remember who Larry Storch uh, was. And that's absolutely not the case. Even if I wasn't someone who was big into Golden Age entertainment as an adult, I am familiar with F Troop as a kid. It was on Nick at Night. And not only that, I was raised you know, up in the 90s during a time when Nickelodeon, you know, the whole daytime kids TV network actually featured golden age family programming, including stuff like F Troop. Of course, at the time, the series enjoyed a certain popularity and cult following, even though it only lasted two seasons. Storch did get nominated for a primetime Emmy, but lost to Don Adams, who was the star of Get Smart, but was also a childhood friend of Storch. So you had two Emmy Award uh, nominees for that year who grew up on the same block. Of course, you know, the 1960s, you know, you had these, you know, extraordinary uh, comedies that may have had some jokes that played more towards adults, but it wasn't so overt and in your 
your face that parents didn't feel comfortable having their kids watch. So F Troop, along with you know other some of the other comedies from the era, such as Get Smart, was family viewing for multiple generations. And obviously this is will be Storch's biggest legacy, although he did a lot of other stuff. He appeared in Columbo, he did a lot of work on Broadway and in movies and on television and remained active even uh, later into life. Uh, there was a great story was posted over on Twitter by a lady uh, named Jenny, and she wrote, In 2013, I went to Comic-Con and I saw Larry Stortz sitting at his table with no one around. I decided to go over and tell him that my mom loved F Troop and would have loved to meet him, but she couldn't be there. He then offered to call her on the phone. I gladly agreed, and she thankfully answered the phone to the surprise of a lifetime. He was telling her that he was there with her wonderful daughter, and just had to call and say hello, and thanks for being a fan. Uh, it's a memory that we will never forget. He was so sweet. So, it's such a you know great story, and a good picture of how he viewed himself in relation to as many fans out there. So, I hope you enjoyed this uh, special... Uh, Larry Storch uh, episode of The Amazing World of Radio. And this will actually be our last episode for a few months. We will be back with you the day before Thanksgiving with our Thanksgiving episode. But in the meantime, if you do have any comments, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.